This is Christopher Mitchell with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. We run the website Community Broadband Networks, which is located at muninetworks.org. This is the first of what we hope will be many audio shows featuring short interviews with people doing interesting things to create networks that put community needs first. For this inaugural episode, I spoke with Linda Kramer from the marketing committee of the Sibley-Renville Fiber Project, which is a project building a fiber-to-the-home network or fiber-to-the-farm network in very rural Minnesota, southwest of the Twin Cities metro area. It covers all of Sibley County, several towns in the vicinity around there, and a part of Renville County as well. And many other areas are looking to get on board once the project gets started. We mostly talked about their marketing efforts and how they spread the word and got people interested. Hope you enjoy the interview. Thank you for tuning in. Can you describe uh, the region to me? Sibley and Renville counties are rural counties in south-central Minnesota. We are predominantly uh, agricultural communities. The biggest towns in our project area are in the vicinity of 2,000 residents. So then we're running with uh, townships and number of cities, small towns in the project area. Uh, but, but of course, ma- mainly agricultural and especially a rural uh, area that we're working with. It's, it's the entirety of Sibley County and then it's uh, the western sliver of Renville County surrounding the city of Fairfax. And then we have a few additional communities, uh, towns right outside the, the Sibley-Renville County area as well. And what what is the uh, Sibley-Renville project uh, trying to accomplish? We are hoping to get broadband access to anyone who is interested within our project area. We are currently dealing with a number of different telecommunications providers. So we've got uh, phone companies, we've got cable companies, and each part of the area has a different provider, it seems. And what we want to do is have someone that will provide good service to us. Many of us in the rural area have very, very slow internet speeds. I'm at 2.5 megabits right now, and I'm paying quite a lot for it, and that's the best I can find. I can't get anything faster out here on my farm. We have people who the best they can get is dial-up. They don't have any broadband access. They're in a a valley where even a cell signal won't reach them. So what we want to do is provide good broadband access to anyone who wants it in our project area. And then to be specific, you're looking at building a, a fiber to the farm network is what it's been called, I think, right? Yes, or fiber to the home, we, we bill it as a lot. And it would be fiber to uh, every farm, every household in town, every business that wants to sign on to the project. And that's, what, that's what's unique about it is that it would be fiber directly to each home, even in the rural areas. Many Areas have done this before, but they've generally been in cities or more urban areas. And this this piece of adding it to the farms and to the rural people at the same time as doing it in the cities is very unique. Now, your role in this project has largely been one of, I think, getting people um, educated about the network and demonstrating support for it. Is that right? Right. I've been a member of the marketing committee from the beginning of the project. Uh, Initially, it was to be a project just of the towns, and when they held community meetings in each of the towns, a few of us who didn't really know each other went went to the meetings, and they said they were going to do this, and and some people spoke up very loudly, well, what about us on the farms? 
so from that came a, a rural coalition of people from the rural areas who were really interested in this project. And when it actually moved forward to the next step and a marketing committee was formed, most, most of the people on that marketing committee came from that rural coalition. So our marketing committee, uh, there's probably 10 or 12 of us who are really the, the core group of that committee. And the majority of those are rural residents, although we do have some people from the cities working on that as well. So our marketing committee's goal is to get the word out about the project, to secure uh, pledge cards for people to see what level of interest we have, and to answer any questions that people have about the project. So what are some of the specific tools you've used to make sure people are aware of the project? We began with a mailing to everyone we could um, come up with an address for in the project area, and that was just over a year ago. Uh, we followed that up with uh, an email sign-up list. So we send out email reminders and updates periodically. We've got a website. We've got a Facebook page. Um, grassroots, tell your neighbors, any, anything we could think of. The biggest push we did was when our county commissioners wanted a bigger number, bigger percentage of those uh, pledge cards returned than we had, and we had people jumping at us. What can we do to help? And at that point, we, we called for a meeting of volunteers to go door to door and talk to people. And we called for the meeting on a Thursday and at Sunday night, we had 75 people show up ready to go door to door and make phone calls to actually get the word out. That's incredible. Now, I just wanted to push into that a little bit. Now, my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, was you had about 45% at that point when the county said you needed to get still more. Is that right? Yeah, we were uh, probably a little less than 45, probably 41, 42% at that time. And the county commissioner said they wanted 50% to show a good level of support. And within, I'm forgetting the timeline here now, I believe it was about three weeks, we got up over, what, 52, 53% project-wide. And, you know, and that was just from people going out. We've got townships where we've got 84% of the people have signed on. And now, and just for uh, the city slickers who are listening, uh, the townships are generally sort of the areas that are outside the the urban centers, right? To the extent right, the, the townships are the rural areas outside city limits, and we're working with, I believe, 21 townships. So those are rural, you know, 36 mile square mile areas. Now, I don't want people to get the idea that that that's the norm to get 50 percent. That's really something that's unprecedented, to my knowledge. It's it's really an incredible accomplishment. Right, and it, it, it shows the need and, and the want of the people out here to have both good access and affordable access. We, we hear from the rural people that they need access of some, some sort. So the speeds that we're talking are excellent, are so much better than what anybody in the rural areas can get. The people in town have access to some pretty decent broadband speeds, but they're unhappy with the providers, with the, the prices of providers, uh, the support that the providers are giving. So those are the, the people from the, the towns, the cities that are interested, are looking for a better price and a price that doesn't keep climbing up and up and up or a, a gotcha kind of an introductory price that's going to jump up suddenly. The people in the rural areas are really just looking for access. Good access. And just to to make sure that people didn't miss it, you said 85% or 84% in one of the townships. That's it really puts the lie to the idea that people in rural areas don't understand broadband or don't get the need, right? Oh, definitely. And and 
the age, you know, somebody said, well, it, it's only the young people that are going to want this. Our rural townships are, you know, there's a lot of retired people out here. There's a lot of older people living on the farms, and they signed up too. I had neighbors who nobody thought they'd be interested in. Sure enough, they sent in a card. You know, it, it's there. there is no stereotype of who it is that's interested in this service. Some people are interested in the lower prices. Some people are interested in the fact that we'll have a local calling area. Right now I've got a neighbor, he's two miles down the road from me. He's got a Winthrop telephone number. His family, a lot of his friends are in the Gibbon area. That's a long distance phone call from Winthrop to Gibbon. It, it, he lives four miles from Gibbon and it's a, it's a long distance phone call. So for him the catch was, oh, that would be a local phone call. It, it's different for everyone. Some people want TV that won't go out when it rains because right now their only cable type option is is Dish Network or Direct TV. And when it rains, then suddenly they can't get the radar up on the TV screen. So you know, some of us want the broadband for better internet speeds for our kids to do their homework, for uh, files to be sent back and forth, for weather reports and things like that. So it's it's different from everyone. And some people just think it's really neat that it's a community project and that we're working on this together, that it's going to be locally provided, and that they think we should be keeping our money and our efforts in this community. The last thing that I wanted to make sure that we touched upon was um, I thought it was fascinating, and I um, – maybe um, just behind the curve, but uh, that when you were doing these meetings, you tended to do three in one day. Is that right in each community? So can you talk a little bit about how you structured those meetings and why? Sure. Um, We know that we have a variety of people in our community. So we have the working people who can't get back for a meeting during the daytime. So a seven o'clock meeting in the evening works well for them. We've got retired people who don't care to go out at night and drive, especially in the winter if the weather is, is crazy. So a 10 o'clock in the morning meeting or a 2 o'clock in the afternoon meeting works better for them. People in shift work, uh, you know, it just depends on what people's schedules are. So when we scheduled these meetings in each of the communities, it was 11 communities originally, uh, it was three in one day. And some of the meetings we'd maybe only get a handful of people at. Some of them we'd get 15 or 20. But it was a way to show that we were trying to reach everyone and accommodate everyone and get the word out to everyone, not just select groups of people. Well, I really appreciate the time uh, you've taken to do the interview. Is there anything else you wanted to um, make sure we knew? I think this has been an incredible grassroots effort, and having it where the people want it, and there's such strong support for the project has made our job of marketing the project incredibly easier because people want this and people are willing to work for it to make sure that we get this to work in our community. Thank you for listening. That was Linda Kramer with the marketing committee of rsfiber.com, the Sibley-Renville Fiber Project. Uh, Please let me know if you have any questions or comments on how we can improve this show. Uh, We would love to hear your feedback. You can send it to broadband at muninetworks.org. Thank you.